We're continuing our series in 1 Thessalonians, Hope and Holiness in a Hostile World. And we're beginning um, chapter 2, verse 17. And let's take a look at what Paul writes. But, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best not to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent, to, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and he has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told you, he's told us that, that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Let's pray. Father, as we continue in this series, we pray that you would continue to be at work in our hearts and in our minds. We don't want to hold back from anything that you have for us this evening. So God, would you speak as your servants are listening? In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, in uh, this series of hope and holiness in a hostile world, where have we got to so far? Well, week one, Jago talked about engaging our heads and our hearts and our, um, our hands. In week two last week, Michael, he spoke about us being uh, confident in who we are and being confident at the gospel being at work in our lives, in the midst, in the face of, of persecution and, and opposition. And now we get to week three, which is really all around a vision for Christian friendship. So very, very quickly, what are the sort of things that, um, about friendship that we can take from our passage today? Well, we can see our concern there. We can see that Paul is attempting to visit the Thessalonians. We, we see the cost involved that he sent Timothy uh, to, to visit the Thessalonians. Then we get a consolation that he's, he's received good news. Oh, we are worried, but oh, thank God, we've, we've got good news from the Thessalonians. 
And then there's commitment, this ongoing prayer for the Thessalonians. And you can look at those sorts of things and think, well, that's fine. It it feels sort of nice and sturdy and and old-fashioned and good. But I I wonder if sometimes we we think that the the Bible's um, advice, the Bible's wisdom on friendship can be a bit like uh, the TV show Friends. It's great that now with new technology, it's, it's more accessible than ever. Um, but perhaps the script hasn't dated so well. And um, who has the time to sit around in Central Perk at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday? But our job is to, it's to tell and it's to embody a story, a greater story, not a, a rerun, but living out hope and holiness in a hostile world in real time. And if this is a life to be lived, then there's the possibility of of greater satisfaction for us and greater impact on the lives of those around us. If you think that Paul is just some sort of robot, well, take a look at at, at the sort of public displays of affection that he's got here. In the first verse of our passage, verse 17, even though these these Christians are younger Christians, he says, um, we were orphaned by being separated from you. And then in verse 19, he says, you're our hope, you're our joy, you're our crown. You know, these are words you'd expect to hear someone say about Jesus, not, not friends. And then in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, for now we really live, for you are standing firm in the faith. This is John Keats writing, I have so much of you in my heart and, 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 and so the question can be asked of you and me is, is, is this how we feel about other Christians? The way that, that Paul is writing here. Because you can slip in here at 5.57 on a Sunday evening and you can sing your little heart out in worship and you can even feel sort of really challenged by a talk at the front by a person giving a monologue with a microphone. And then you can come forward for prayer And you can still miss out on on what it's all really about. Netflix uh, last year spent billions and billions of pounds on original content. But um, Friends, when it it, it finished in in 2004, but has has now been shown on Netflix, as you probably all know. And last year it came out on top. Uh, Friends is the most streamed television show. And David Schwimmer, who who played Ross in Friends, when he wasn't being mistaken for a a thief in Southall, um, he recently said that why he thought the program was was so popular, he said this, it is a fantasy for a lot of people having a group of friends who become like family. After all, last year was the, the year when the government appointed a minister for loneliness It's just a shame they only appointed one of them. (laughs) But I I, I think with our our podcasts and with our our favorite worship songs on Spotify, we can have a kind of, of spiritual loneliness too, can't we? A digital world that gives the the sort of illusion of friendship, the illusion of, of being known, but not really being known, and no one to turn to when the chips are down. I think if, if Paul was to write to the church today, he would, he'd probably take a line from the theme song of Friends. 
And he'd say, it's like you're always stuck in second gear. Because you get to the, to the prayer at the end of our passage, and this is the, the hinge point of the letter. It's one of the three prayers in this, in this letter that show, that sort of control the way that Paul thinks. And you get to this, this prayer and you see there that the vision for friendship is so much grander than, than family values. See how this, this prayer builds. In, in chapter 3, verse 10, have a look. He says, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. This is day and night prayer where, where Paul uh, talks to his friends about God and he talks to God about his friends. And he prays that their faith might grow and that he might supply what others lack. This is an amazing thing to pray, isn't it? But, but not just that. In verse 12, he says, he, he wants God to make their love increase and to overflow. The word he, he uses to, um, to describe this in this prayer, it's, it's, it's a, a word that more or less means um, even more exceedingly than you can imagine. Could you describe your own prayers in that way? Is this how you, you pray for your Christian friends? Because if it isn't, what, what's wrong with your vision of the gospel? What's wrong with your, your vision of God and what he is able to do? And, and why are you satisfied with less? But I, I, I love this because it's so practical. How do we grow and abound in love? Just ask God. Ask him to do it. Pray. Are you praying that your friends, are you praying that you, that, that you in this community of believers would, 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 would grow, but you would also grow in, in your love for people outside of the church as well? You would grow in your love for everyone. But, but Paul, he, he, he still doesn't end there because then, then we get to verse 13 where he prays, may God strengthen your hearts. Well, that, that sounds very nice. So, but he says, may God strengthen your hearts so that, in other words, that he wants, to, he wants God to strengthen their hearts for a purpose here. And what's the purpose? That you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. Paul, he is, he's, he's writing to, to baby Christians here. And, and foundational to their lives as Christians, um, but also as, as individuals and as the church together, is holiness. And that this is, this is the goal. And the word holy really means uh, to be sacred or to, to be set apart. It's, it's a tragedy, in my opinion that the hymn book is gone. Because at least the, the compilers of the hymn book had the good sense that, that hymn number one in the hymn book was holy, holy, holy. Before we get to uh, songs about God's love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and grace and mercy and before we even get to the cross, before we get to the resurrection, the, the number one thing is, is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I'm so grateful that we sang that song earlier. This is the, the eternal song of the angels. The beings that are so close to God and they're, and they're shielding themselves because there's this holiness before them that, that hurts their eyes. 
And I, I worry that holiness has just been completely lost on our generation. We are holding what amounts to, to a, a, a teaspoon of theological substance. And we're, we're standing by the roaring Atlantic of God's holiness. We're all too happy to talk about church growth, but not about depth. And, and God is saying, you were made for more. You were made for more. You want hope in a hostile world? Well, don't be starved of who God is at his core. He is holy. holy holiness is a, is a topic where, where angels literally fear to tread. And we too, we're, we're worried that we're going to come across as being legalistic or, or judgmental or old-fashioned. Old-fashioned, I'll give you old-fashioned. How about the eternal essence of the being of God who has existed and stays the same yesterday, today, and forever? God, he hasn't, he hasn't toned himself down to fit into our contemporary culture. He is, he is consistently holy. The last time I checked, he is a, he's a holy God. And last time I checked, God didn't primarily give us a spirit of power or of, of creativity, but a holy spirit. And I'm, I'm sorry, but, but however big a picture I, I can paint of God for you tonight, it will be far, far too small. And, and, and so this is a, this is a concept. This is, this is a theme that is so foundational um, in, in Paul's priorities to teach an early church, a fledgling church, but, but we never give it the, the light of day. And we, we think it's for the super spiritual Christians, yet, yet we know that if we, if we don't water down God, if we don't water down this message, then people will come to know him, just as, as they did around the Thessalonians. Holiness isn't something that we just sort of think we can sort of shoehorn into a message, or something that we're able to, 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 to cover just because we're talking about morality from time to time. Holiness is, is not mere morality you are made for more than mere morality do not get stuck in second gear holiness is about the it's about the very essence of god of who he is it doesn't just sort of end with what we're set apart from but who we're set apart for it's far more important because our passage ends with, with being presented home, holy and, and blameless before our God. The psalmist, Psalm 24, writes, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And so I think we can all definitely agree that, that that is the category that I want to be in. I want to be blameless. I want to be holy. I want to be pure. Sign me up. The question then becomes, well, how do I get there? How do I get there amidst a, a backdrop of a, of a hostile world that constantly is trying to form me into anything other than holy, holiness and, and blamelessness? Well, the, the last thing that you need is a holiness retreat, to sort of go away somewhere into the woods and to learn to be holy. No, this is about your friends. This is God at work through your Christian friends. 
John Wesley said that all holiness, or holiness is always social. Holiness is always social. And I'm afraid that the NIV uh, really lets us down uh, in this passage. Because uh, verses 12 and 13, they're, they're really one sentence. And um, the NIV has, has taken out a couple of words. So, so it really should read, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you, so that, so that, there we are again, that sort of sense of this purpose here. What's, what's the purpose going on here? So that he may strengthen your hearts, so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This is, this is God at work through your Christian friends. See the way in, in verse 12 and verse 13, um, we, see, we see love and we see holiness, they're connected. So while it, m- it might be too simplistic to just say that, well, love equals holiness, we can see that the two are connected. And God, he wants to, to work through the love of the church to enable us to be holy and blameless. And so we can see that that love is at the very center of holiness. That if we're done, if we're through with selfishness and and living for ourselves, but we abound in love for others, then we're on the path to holiness. Back in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. So hang on a minute, isn't this the same Paul who said that he'd learnt the secret of being content in every circumstance? Well, yes, that's true, but, but there's an extent to which here he's saying that his, his quality of, of life is dependent on, on how other Christians are doing. For now he really lives because they are standing firm. So what's the flip side of that? What's the alternative? Well, if, if they're not standing firm... Then, if they're not being holy, then part of him dies. It it should matter to you how holy other people are in the body of Christ, because that's what you and I are. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, at one with Jesus Christ. You, me, together, we we all really matter to Jesus. Each and every one of us. And Jesus is, is holy, so, so our holiness really, really matters to Jesus. And he is holy, so we need to be consistent. Your friend's greatest need is your own personal holiness. Are, are you the kind of friend that helps to make others holy? You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to help me to be more holy. I'm, I'm counting on you. And put it this way, if, if, if your friends are, are a, a photo of your future, then who are your friends? Who's in the picture right now? I think some of you, are, you're in situations that are, are quite toxic. Whether it's, it's at home, the people that you live with, or, or the people that you work with, and, and you, you can't really change that at the moment. But you can choose who you are friends with. You can choose who you're friends with on Facebook. You can choose what Instagram feeds you allow in your life. 
Are there the last 15 messages on your phone from people that are going to build you up in the faith and are going to call you to a life of love and holiness? And we, we see, Paul is very clear that, that our love is to overflow for all people. So, so he's very clear to, to, to not give up on your non-Christian friends. Of, of course not. But, but who are you really letting in? Who are, who are you really letting in to, to shape you and to mold you? If you want to know what kind of person you want to marry, you, you want to marry someone who is holy. You want to marry someone who is consistent. You know, someone who has set themselves apart for God. And, and yes, you'll get people around you saying, chill out. Take a chill. I think it's okay to do this. I think it's okay to watch that. I think it's okay to take that class. And, and, and you can say, well, well, that's your decision. But I'm going, to, I'm going to err on the side of holiness. Because right now I'm fixated on a God who is holy. And he is the one who I'm forming my life around. I'm going to live a life of, of no compromise. I'm going to, to live a life that is set apart and is sacred and is consistent. And people are going to say to you, you think you're so much better than everyone else. And you're, you're going to say, no, I don't at all. I think I'm just the same as everyone else. I'm not being holier than thou, but I'm focused on a life on the thou who is holy, the thou who art holy. And for some of you, this, this really matters to you. You are, you are hungry for a God who is holy. And you're saying, Jamie, don't give me any bull tonight. But, but some of you, you're, you're asking me and you're asking your friends, well, how, how far am I allowed to go with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Is this okay to do? Do you think that this is within the limits? And I've got to ask the question, does, does that sound like someone who is captivated by Jesus Christ? Does that sound like someone who is focused on the holiness of God? Playing a game of a, of a moral maze, asking their friends how, how far they're allowed to go, rather than asking their friends, will you help me to fall more and more in love with Jesus Christ? I think many of us, we, we know that we're at this time in our lives where, where for whatever reason we've realized that our friendships no longer look like the, the set of the TV show Friends. Maybe they, maybe they never did. And perhaps there's even friends, there's good friends that we don't see very often. And when we do, we, we know that we can go down the gears with them very, very quickly. But if we're being honest, the, 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 the purpose, the vision behind that friendship is not really the gospel. It's, it's not really a friendship that is, is calling each other into love and is calling each other into a life of holiness. You know, hardly ever seeing them and, and praying for them even less than that. But with, with instant communication at, at our fingertips, we, we don't really have an excuse, do we? And so, so at this time in our lives, we, we, we have this opportunity, don't we? To, to have a purpose and a vision and meaning for our friendships. Because you don't just drift into friendships that matter. You don't drift into holiness, but you choose it. 
When you, when you look even closer at, at verse 13, you realize that this is, this is about who you are. This is about your identity. Paul prays that we would be blameless and holy in the, in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And not once but twice we get the word holy there. That when we, when we meet Jesus face to face, we will be holy and that we along with the, with the saints or the, the holy ones will be with them, will be the holy ones, that that is your identity. We get stuck on our sin, but our, our, if, if, if you've put your faith in Jesus, your core identity is no longer a sinner or that you're sinful. Your core identity is being a child of God. On, on the cross, Jesus, he didn't just take on our sin, but he became sin for you and me. And you get this beautiful exchange where, where he trades his identity for yours. And so now you are a holy one. The only righteous, the only holy one takes on our sin. And so, so personal holiness, it's, it's about putting in practice what we've already become in position. Becoming more and more Christ-like, becoming holy. And Jesus is our righteousness. We are trusting completely and entirely on him. We don't want things in our lives to get in the way. To, to be blameless is not to be sinless. Blameless means to be free of all valid charges. We all struggle with sin. But blameless people don't paper over sin. They, they keep short accounts with God. When they stuff up, they apologize quickly. Can I urge you to, to not let the enemy rob you of your place in Christ and your identity in him? Of, of living in constant step with the Holy Spirit. This is about, about who you are leading to, to how you are. It's, it's reveling. It's enjoying. It's glorying in who you are as a holy one, as a saint. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be someone who says yes to God, who says yes to the work of the Holy Spirit in, in your life. Holiness, it's, it's the most precious commodity. But it's also the rarest. And you, you find that, that when, you, when you meet a truly holy person, they actually don't make you feel bad about yourself. They actually make you feel better. They have this, this magnetic pull. They have this attraction. It was C.S. Lewis who said that how little people know who think that holiness is dull. When, when people meet the real thing, it's irresistible. You were made for more. You were made for more. You were, were made to pass on this contagious holiness. Yes, there's a, there's a certain sort of niceness to those friends that mean that we can just be ourselves around them. But what I really need are friends around me that, that point me to who I am in Jesus Christ, that help me to be Christ-like. One of my favorite places in the, in the world is, is Florence. I was there in November, and uh, when Michelangelo was asked how on earth he sculpted David, he replied, it's easy. You just chip away at the stone that doesn't look like David. 
simple. But it's, it's the same in our lives. We all, we all need to be sharpened by those around us and, and to be that person who sharpens others. To shave off all the bits of my life that don't belong to Jesus Christ. To, to, to be honest about those things with others and, and to let them hold up the mirror to me, to help me to see that the parts in my life that do look like Jesus and the parts in my life that don't. Because, because we've all got them. Lent has been described as a, as a time uh, where you can open yourself up to experience a kind of joy and wonder that makes you serious. And we see joy over and over in this passage. And Paul, he is full of joy in his friendship with Jesus Christ. And he's full of joy about the church in Thessalonica. But it's a joy that at the same time makes him serious. Are you so full of joy in Jesus and so full of joy in his church that you are becoming more and more serious about Jesus Christ? And becoming more and more serious about being holy. At the same time, it's possible to be fun-filled and to be serious about God. We are to be the people that remind each other of our position in Christ. That, that don't call each other to the lowest common denominator, but to the highest possible denominator in Jesus Christ. When I think about a friend of mine called, called Tom, who I see every week, uh, back when I was at HDB, uh, he was in my connect group, and I helped him sort of think through uh, ordination, and now he's training to get ordained at uh, another church outside of central London. And we still, we still meet up, and, and it's now very much a peer-to-peer friendship. If I'm, if I'm being honest, he sort of sorts me out more, more often than not. And um, what, what I really like about Tom is not only is it a case of, of I uh, tell him what's happening here at, at HTC, that, that people are coming to faith and people are, are turning on fire for Jesus, and then, then he tells me that at his church people got healed last Sunday, and all, all those things, they, they, they build my faith. And to know that we have this partnership in the gospel. But it's also that, that he keeps reminding me of who I am. He, he, he calls me to live more. That, that I was made for more. of. He reminds me of who I am and who my identity is in Jesus. And can I encourage you that this, we bandy about these words like accountability that, that sound old-fashioned. But, but these friends are, that are crucial in your life. They're, they're not just there to, to call out the sin in your life. But they're to be people that remind you of who you are that remind you that you are made for more, that remind you that you are holy, so be holy. Each and every one of us, we are totally and utterly and completely dependent on Jesus Christ to get to heaven. But when I, when I get to heaven, I want to be the kind of person that, that fits in heaven. Because heaven's going to be all about Jesus. He's going to be at the center of heaven. So am I increasingly becoming someone who who loves the things that Jesus loves? That hates the things that 
Jesus hates, that is impressed by the things that Jesus is impressed by. Like Professor John Wyatt said the other night at our Lent Discipleship School, are the the things that the world champions, the things that we talk about with tears in our eyes. You, You will become like what you worship. If you worship money, you will become a pound. If you worship your career, you will become your job. But if you worship Jesus Christ, you will become holy. You are made for more. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Or how far up the mountain do you want to come? Because you can be holy because Jesus is holy. I have not called you servants, but friends, Jesus says. The writer of Proverbs says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is the perfect friend. Let's build our friendships and our relationships on Jesus Christ and remind each other that we were made for more. That we were made for nothing short of of friendship with Jesus Christ and becoming more and more like him. To to be the, the holy body of Christ together. Because one day, you're going to be in heaven. And Jesus is going to look you in the eye. And he's going to say, well done. I I live for that moment. I can't wait for that moment. And what's even more amazing than that is you're going to have the, the presence of mind in the presence of this holy God. to to quote 1 Thessalonians and say, these are my friends and they are my glory and they are my joy and they are my crown. Amen. Would you like to stand? And as the band come up, I want us to just take this moment to open ourselves up to a holy God. And invite the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. So God, we come before you now. We place ourselves before you. And we're sorry for when we've, we've settled for less than who you are. And Holy Spirit, would you come and be, in work, be at work in us as individuals and as your people. Would you help us to be holy? for you have made us holy. God, would you make me the kind of person who helps others in our midst to be holy, to live a life that is sacred, that is set apart, and is is consistent. Come, Holy Spirit.